0: The Power to the podcast.
1: I'm Carrie Hayes, one of the founders and advisors to Just City. Welcome to The Permanent Record. In an era in which allegations of fake news are rampant, journalists are increasingly under attack, and the media industry is going through unprecedented and unpredictable upheavals in its business model, we felt an obligation to dig into exactly how the news gets made, and who is making it. We know that the press is playing a growing role in shaping public perception of our neighborhoods and cities, which in turn shapes policies that govern everything from the severity of criminal sentences, to the conduct of law enforcement, to the support we provide to those who come into contact with the criminal justice system. In a special series of episodes of The Permanent Record, we'll be interviewing the interviewers and looking at the unique role that the media plays in covering the criminal justice system, and in some cases, even creating that system. Richard Ransom is weeknight anchor and managing editor for Local 24 News, where he anchors the 5 p.m., 6 p.m., and 10 p.m. newscasts on WATN-TV. He joined the station in September after working at several other Memphis-area stations. A native of Denver and a graduate of the prestigious University of Missouri School of Journalism, Richard has been covering the news in Memphis for more than 20 years. He recently granted an interview to Smart City Memphis where he said, quote, reporting crime all the time is not a responsible or accurate reflection of life in our city, and I'm proud to work with a news team that wants to inform you, not scare you. Today, we go a bit deeper into what he meant by that and look to the future of how crime and public safety are portrayed and perceived by local TV news audiences. Richard Ransom, thanks for being on The Permanent Record.
0: Thank you for inviting me. I'm happy to be here.
1: Very good. So let's start with a little bit of background on you. A lot of our listeners will be familiar with your with your name and, 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 and having seen you on TV for a number of years. But talk to us a little bit about uh, how, how you got to Memphis. You're not a Memphis native, is that right?
0: No, I'm not. I grew up in Denver, and uh, honestly knew this is what I wanted to do in the sixth grade. I had a great elementary school teacher who really got me interested in current events. And suddenly the newscasts that my mom and dad would watch at the dinner hour were making sense. I could, you know, tie this world leader to that world leader and what was really going on behind the scenes kind of thing. And uh, so that just kind of naturally transitioned into an interest in journalism. I did my own uh, high school newspaper uh, uh, that were around the neighborhood when I was uh, of high school age and a high school cable show for uh, teenagers uh, with the local uh, cable origination outfit back when that was the thing. And uh, after some career days with professionals, they kind of geared me toward uh, University of Missouri, saying they had a good journalism program, particularly for broadcast. And uh, from there, Peoria, Illinois, to uh, Jacksonville, Florida, to Memphis the first time around at WMC, okay. and then up to uh, Milwaukee at the uh, Fox O&O at the time to be a primetime anchor. I was doing mornings at Channel 5, and then uh, primetime at Channel 3, and then now at 24.
1: Excellent. So you've, you've been around the horn. You've been in yep. a lot of different markets, sounds like a lot of different sizes. Yeah. Uh, so you know we're recording this. It's almost Thanksgiving in, in the year 2017, and I'm sort of thinking about the the media landscape in a market of Memphis's size. And you know we have got three or four fairly significant print publications that publish you know every day, every week. We've got uh, your station WATN, local local 24, and and uh, at least three other sort of major broadcast outlets, and then sort of the constant uh, churn of social media, right? Mm-hmm. So these are all different ways now that people are, are getting some variation of what they might call news. What, right. what is, what is uh, why are people tuning in to their local TV news station? I don't mean yours in particular necessarily, but what is what does broadcast news offer that uh, people need to Well, know? I think
0: one thing that, uh, you know, all the research will show you is that broadcast news, uh, especially at the local level, is probably the most trusted media uh, outlet out there uh and uh in a time when we are so divided politically i think that has been you know a source that people have gravitated to for that reason and i think that the sense of immediacy we can bring to people about what's going on in their community has resonance and people really uh gravitate toward that and um you know it's just a I guess relating to people you see on TV, but you might also be involved with in your community activity or at church or some school function or what have you. Your kids uh, play with each other, whatever it happens to be, and I think that helps uh, give a, a sense of connection that that maybe you don't get with the other forms. Yeah,
1: because you're certainly a Memphian in addition to being a, a news anchor. Oh, absolutely.
0: <laughs> you know, I may not have been born here, but I'm definitely a Memphian now. Yeah,
1: yeah. What what role does the anchor play in the way that news is reported, the way it's uh, perceived—what behind the anchor desk? How much control do you have over the over the flow of? of
0: well, news? I, I think that depends on the station, honestly. And sometimes uh, anchors are basically uh, the role that uh, management seeks is no more than just have them read from the teleprompter and mm-hmm. and not really get involved. And sometimes anchors don't want to get more involved. To be honest, they just uh, want to be on TV and that's it. Sure. Uh, and others. Uh, have more of a more of an editorial uh, control role, and as uh, you're aware, I have the managing editor position now at Local 24, and that was definitely a uh, a big appeal for me taking this position.
1: So, tell me about that. What are the additional responsibilities that might be in your hands now?
0: So, it's a more uh, hands-on role, a seat at the table uh, that I really. And we're talking about a literal table. I think people, like literally a table. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. Because I think for a lot of people that you know, we we want to take this opportunity to kind of demystify, you know, literally how the sort of news product gets from from idea to report to
0: to the broadcast. Right. are so you're, right.
1: you're you're in all the way on all those.
0: things. Most places will have uh, two editorial meetings a day in the morning and the afternoon, and and uh, I would say that at most stations that is. Uh, a, a table where the uh, main anchor will sit, but uh, you know there are other meetings too where you talk about strategy, where you talk about uh, uh, how you're going to do things more in a long-term role. And I have a seat at that table as well. A seat at uh, how we're going to promote our content. A seat at how we're going to uh, look at uh, coverage of, of big stories that we know are coming down, whether it be a big trial or or that kind of thing. So it goes beyond you know just the day-to-day coverage, and um, having a voice on on the bigger things, too.
1: Yeah, and that's, uh, so you've been with WATN, uh, I'm sorry, with, with Local 24 for for a couple of months, and the reason we uh, we wanted you to be on, on our podcast was um, sort of in response to, it, to an interview you gave to Smart City Memphis, which is a blog that a lot of our listeners will, will know and, and uh, appreciate, where you said something a little provocative, <laughs> which was, and I'm going to quote you here, Reporting crime all the time is not a responsible or accurate reflection of life in our city, and I am proud to work with a news team that wants to inform you, not scare you. That's an end quote. So, unpack that for me. What? what well, I think is, it's very
0: self-explanatory. It, it
1: does, and, and thus concludes <laughs> uh, this episode of the program. No, I, But it's it's what does that mean in terms of a shift? And and without getting into too much of the gory details about other areas or other stations where you may have worked. What what does that mean? With well, I just think somewhere along
0: the line as an industry, we kind of um, decided we weren't going to attach the same definition or, or the same criteria to a story, uh, to a crime story, as to the other stories. You know, generally speaking, news is defined by how many people are affected or how unusual a story may be, and at some point uh, – it got to a point where to convey that sense of immediacy that I spoke of earlier, uh, the priority became, well, we may not totally flush out what's going on at this particular crime scene. We may, may not know, as I like to say, that a person was shot in the big toe. Mm-hmm. We're not going to worry about that detail later. Right now, we just need to get to the scene and lead with this breaking story without any context, without any sense of just how, uh, severe it might be, how many people might be in danger. And, that to me was really unfortunate because in a high crime city like Memphis is, and we can't ignore the, the truth about that. Uh, all that does to me is is just uh, glorify that violence. Mm-hmm. And I also said uh, in the blog that you mentioned that I think it fuels racial stereotypes, and I think that's true too because by nature of being a um, majority minority city, uh, you know, a lot of the faces we put on the screen for that short little blurb. Uh, Our African-American faces, and I think it just increases kind of that polarization and people who maybe have unwarranted fears of going downtown because of, Mm -hmm. you know, what they see or hear on the news. And I just think if we had – if we dialed it back a little bit and just – and we go to these crime scenes, as a tell we go to them still. But we wait and have the courage to sit back and just see, okay, how serious is it? Is there a threat to the public? Uh, is there a reason? Is there something unusual uh, that warrants us actually covering it versus mm-hmm. just throwing it up, slapping it, as, slapping a label on it as breaking news, and and then it uh, disappears into the uh, news vacuum? Sure, because that haste—that
1: when when when, uh, when a, a, a criminal incident, when something has occurred, and you're saying you know there's a pressure to get to that site and do a report—that is a competitive pressure, right? That's among well, the, the four of you are, are, are in a literal race sometimes to get there first. And and you would say use the word courage to describe what you're trying to do now to to, to sort of disrupt that or be a little uh, countercyclical maybe in terms of that um, the way that that's being covered I think yeah that's-
0: and let me be blunt about it when you're fourth place station uh, you know that also is uh, a reason to say well uh, the other three guys are all following this model and all I'm hearing from the public. Is gosh, you know, I just don't watch local news anymore. It's not relevant to me. Uh, there's such a emphasis on crime, crime, crime that you know it's just not interesting to me anymore. So I don't watch it. So it doesn't take a genius to figure out. Well, maybe we should look at a model that emphasizes that less. Doesn't do what everybody else is doing because they've got that narrowed down. If, if people want that. They've got three choices. If people want something that's a little different, we want to offer that alternative.
1: So that does – I mean a, a cynical take on what you just told me would be that this approach uh, is um – promotional in nature and that i mean you will see when when will we see ratings for the most recent quarter
0: um, actually the uh november ratings period ends tomorrow
1: okay so, so we'll see within a few mm-hmm. weeks right about how yeah. you know so so this has been a bit of an experiment maybe on your part to try to do something a little different uh within this marketplace will that change how how long do you feel that you have the the, the bandwidth to to pursue this sort of new approach
0: you know, uh, ultimately, uh, the news business is a business and, uh, you know, so much of – I can have as strong a voice as I, as I can possibly uh, convey, but, you know, ultimately, you know, it, it does become a corporate decision. It becomes, you know, what, a decision of well, what kind of response are we getting to that. And as much as I may not like that and would love to, to uh, you know, give it as much of a chance as possible, I believe in my heart there is a commitment at – my current employer to, to really give this a shot.
1: Yeah, that's good. And I think that's one of the things that people don't necessarily know. At least it, it took me a while to understand it, that um, the the irony about what you said about the sort of anchors and the news personalities being, being so of the community and in the community is a little bit at odds with the fact that all the stations are owned by uh,
0: conglomerates from God knows where, right? right? Who, hire, <laughs> who hire consultants from God knows where? Exactly. Implement the same strategy everywhere, uh, exactly. pretty much. And uh, it's it's uncanny how similar uh, the presentation can be from place to place. But I do know, uh, I haven't seen the actual study, but I do know from the Memphis Chamber of Commerce that they have actually looked at our looked at our sister markets, uh, who have much the same demographics, who have many of the same challenges, and have found that uh, there are uh, stations believe it or not that don't necessarily always make crime the lead yeah and always uh, sometimes devote their entire first segment to that yeah uh, so uh, that gives me some encouragement that especially between the public response uh, before and after we implemented this and also what I've been made aware is happening in other media markets that we will find uh, you know some success with this yeah
1: it is a funny area where the corporate community may have common cause with um, a a social justice reform community in which the corporate community, (laughs) you know, finds the crime coverage very distasteful and very frankly, uh, counterproductive to, to economic recruitment efforts. And and, and I've heard that from, from chamber officials like you have Mm -hmm. and from the mayor's office to say, gosh, you know, it's impossible for us to sell the city when, you know, CEO so-and-so is in from out of town. He turns on the news at the Peabody that night and the first, you know, 15 things he sees are, are, you know, some sort of irresponsible crime coverage. And, and similarly, um, in the policymaking world, you know, fear is a very powerful tool, and this idea that you're conditioning citizens to be afraid, like you said, of each other, of certain parts of town, of certain ethnicities, um, that becomes very uh, dangerously productive uh, material when legislators are writing laws or uh, even at the local level yeah, decisions are being made.
0: Absolutely have deeper ramifications, and I don't mean to suggest that, again, I, I want – People say, "Oh, I'm so glad you guys aren't covering crime." I'm like, "No, well, <laughs> we can't be naive to the fact that we do live in a very violent city. It has a worse crime problem than most cities, and that's a fact. So we will still probably do more crime stories than I would like. But my whole point is, it is not the city I know to to focus on that for an entire a block, yeah. as we like to call it yeah. the first segment. Oftentimes, is all crime.
1: Yeah, and so and and. You you have been in other markets in other cities, and and you would say you would say the crime problem is just worse in Memphis. There's just more of
0: it. I think per capita, you know, the the stats bear that out. Um, but you, we also need to give that context too, and yeah. how much how much of those crimes uh, involve people who don't know each other versus people who know each other in some fashion. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you take that out of the mix, then you know the crime problem uh, perhaps is not as significant. As, as people might think, um, that doesn't make it any better. It's just, you know, it just know helps give it some context in the overall sure. uh, picture of things and makes it more relevant to people when they know specifically what those numbers mean.
1: Sure. Are you interested in the sort of emergent, for, uh, the emergent field of – let me start that question over – are you interested in this sort of emergent field of what I keep uh, seeing referred to as advocacy journalism or solutions journalism? This is more of a web-based thing, but this idea that we're, we're trying to provide such context and such breadth around an issue like crime that you're trying to sort of point the viewer or your audience towards some sort of call to action. Is
0: that? I think people want that, honestly, and I think we do have uh, a responsibility to, when we can, uh, you'll see us. And, and I don't think this is just an us thing either. You'll see other, other broadcast outlets do this as well, where what you can do to protect yourself, how you can keep your family safe, those are all uh, uh, phrases now that you'll hear a lot because you know, I think uh, people are wanting to have more than just the blotter. They want to know, well, what can I do about it? Uh, give me some context about this. Let me know what I can do as far as it relates to my family. Uh, and, you know, frankly, I think that there's more um, interest uh, wide wide scale among our viewership in a, uh, a, a theft ring of home burglaries than there may be a murder involving t- a drug deal gone bad.
1: That's interesting. So this is a question I should have asked earlier. I mean, is there a specific example, something you can think of uh, in the past, I don't know, a few weeks where you made a conscious decision in talking to – either yourself or to another reporter at your station, hey, let's do this this way. Like previously, you know, or, or we know our competitors are going to do X, we're going to do Y. Can you think of, an ex- of a specific situation where, where you guys did that?
0: I, You know, it happens almost on a daily basis. So coming up with just one is <laughs> difficult. But on the spot. You know, it just, um, you know, we'll sit there in, in the afternoon meeting and say, okay, well, we know that this happened. And... It's looking at the situation and saying, uh, okay, do we just cover the nuts and bolts of that particular uh, crime or do we do a bigger check and see how often have things, uh, I guess the most recent example comes to mind is the uh, tragedy on Mud Island involving the uh, 56-year-old woman, Mrs. Grissom, who was was killed in her home. Um, That was unusual, so it fit that definition, but, you know, that was the kind of crime story where it – was no doubt going to get more coverage so we expanded it to say okay well how much let's give some some context why we why this is unusual and once we did a a, a more bigger radius of that house and we found out well this is really unusual because this kind of thing hasn't happened in years Mm -hmm. Uh, and so that's the kind of thing where we look at at the coverage differently yeah that's excellent Um,
1: so, in in winding up, what what are is there anything about your job or about your industry in general that people uh, seem to perpetually misunderstand? Are you getting some feedback from viewers or audience members uh, where you just find yourself sitting in your office saying, <laughs> "Darn it, I wish you got this about my job that you
0: clearly yeah, don't." I don't think people know the uh, level of conversation that goes into news coverage, and I don't think um, you know. The uh, the fake news label, the mainstream media label, and and lumping us all into one uh, burlap sack is just not how it works. We don't all make decisions as a as a unit um, and decide together what we're going to do. And uh, I think that unfortunately, there's a lot more. Uh, uh, suspicion about our motives than i think is fair or or accurate I yeah. think uh, most of the people i work with are good people and they want and other stations too are good people they want to do the best uh job they can they're in this uh profession for a reason and um unfortunately there's such cynicism about uh, all of that now it, it's hard getting that message out
1: do you find in the last year since since at least national political figures have been on on uh, a real attack against The whole enterprise of media have have criticisms of you or your colleagues sharpened do you feel more has it ever felt scary i mean are you seeing just a response from the community that's that's different in tone than what you had before last year i mean
0: i wouldn't say it is um it's a a a spike or a a alarming increase or anything that would really concern me a great deal but you will get, you know, just because someone doesn't maybe disagree, doesn't agree, I should say, with the coverage or doesn't like with what you found out, uh, will label, oh, you're fake news mm-hmm. or, or that kind of thing. And that's just, you know, just a sign of the times, I guess. But yeah. I really think there is a void. My next my next uh, cause will be media education. I just don't think mm-hmm. people understand how it works and it plays such a prevalent part in our lives, as you mentioned, all the different yeah. formats now that, uh, you know, people need to be educated about, well, there are tr- sources you can trust, and there are sources you can't trust, and here's what you look for, and here's how you should view coverage with a critical eye. You have a responsibility as a citizen to uh, be more um, critical of the coverage you choose to, yeah. to listen or watch.
1: Without without always dismissing it out of hand, as mm-hmm. you say, if it's something you, you disagree with. <laughs> no. But it will be yeah. interesting – in the months ahead, particularly once we see I guess you know the, the next several rating cycles if your if your peers in this market follow the the the, the ransom doctrine of more uh, <laughs> contextualized responsible you know crime coverage, i mean hopefully this will be a leader in some sense in terms of breaking that sort of pattern of of what we've kind of gotten used to uh, unfortunately. well I kind of hope they'll
0: just keep doing what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> That would be my preference. But well, who seen. knows what will happen? We'll I, honestly, see. I would like I, I would like uh, uh, there to be more of a, a careful uh, careful thought given to to coverage and how the kind of uh, impression I might be giving.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, as I said, we're, we're recording this. Uh, we're approaching the end of the year of 2017, Richard. And when, in your estimation, do you have any sense of what the big stories will be in in the greater Memphis area in, in the year ahead? Anything that you feel is is coming? either politically or economically or, or or culturally that we need to be watching out for? Well,
0: uh, economically, I think uh, there's going to be some really good news for the Memphis area, particularly downtown, not only from this crosstown location where we are, but points uh, points west. Uh, there is so much. Once ServiceMaster gets all its 1,200 people down there, uh, the plans for the, uh, the bluff area and the potential for aquarium, you get a, a new museum down there, uh, you have all of the Billions of dollars worth of investment that St. Jude is looking at. I think that's going to continue to be a really big story. And politically, I think um, it's just going to be crazy next year. You've got <laughs> <laughs> a good time to be in the news business. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, the uh, county-wide seats are all up. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Tennessee is the only state in the country that has a governorship and a Senate seat up. Uh, next year so wow. you're going to see right. a lot of attention focused on tennessee more broadly but i think shelby county too will have its share of uh stuff going back and
1: forth yes well uh on that note uh thank you so much for coming in and being with us on the permanent record we'll look for you on the news
0: i'll talk about this stuff anytime carrie it's uh, something obviously i feel pretty passionately about so Ex- it's exciting excellent thank you sir thank you
1: that was Richard Ransom, weeknight anchor and managing editor for Local 24 News, in conversation and on The Permanent Record. Our thanks to Richard and WATN-TV. Special thanks to Jeff Hewlett for She Got Gone, original theme music for The Permanent Record. His duo, me and Leah, have a new record out. Find it on SoundCloud and Spotify and look for them live around town. I'm Carrie Hayes, and this is The Permanent Record, a production of Just City. Learn more about our work at justcity.org and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Make sure you're subscribing to The Permanent Record on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. We appreciate you listening, and we hope that you'll give us a rating. In a just city, we listen
0: and we speak up. Our thanks to you for doing both.